Irish Illustrated Insider is sponsored by VisitSouthBend.com. Is it time to check a Notre Dame home game off your bucket list? Has it been too long since you've soaked in the game day atmosphere in person? Whether it's for the first time ever or in a while, start planning your trip to South Bend to watch the Fighting Irish with ideas and inspiration at VisitSouthBend.com. This is Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Wednesday, September 28th, a recruiting, a recruiting edition of... Irish Illustrated Insider, joined by Tom Loy of 24-7 Sports. Tom, welcome. Appreciate you being with us today. Um, let's start with, we, I know we want to talk about quarterbacks because you put out a, a list of quarterbacks, 2023 quarterbacks, that Notre Dame is perhaps taking a look at here, especially during the bye week. But I do, I want to start with Elijah Page, the offensive lineman that decommitted from Notre Dame. Sounds like that kind of came as a surprise to uh, pretty much everybody. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, he was, you know, behind the scenes, he was saying all the right things, everything about why he committed to Notre Dame. It's all still there. They still have the great degree. They still have the you know great future on and off the field. He wanted to play for Harry Heastan and Marcus Freeman. Something changed along the, along the road. And, and um, the tough part about all this for, for Notre Dame fans is that he is, uh, likely going to land at USC, barring a change of heart or uh, a change in course of his recruitment. So not only are they losing a guy, but their rival was gaining a guy that that everybody, at least that I've spoken to inside the Google at Notre Dame, was pretty excited about. 6'7", 305 plus. Everybody thought he could be a left tackle, right tackle, whatever. But, you know, a ton of upside with this kid, as you know, and I know you liked him a good, good bit. But he, uh, it's a tough blow. Um, it caught, kind of caught Notre Dame off guard. They were, they were, they knew he was talking to USC. They knew he was talking to a couple of schools. They knew he was a priority for Lincoln Riley. But again, everything behind the scenes was all, I'm still committed. I'm still committed. I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm not going to do any other visits or talk to him. And then obviously within 48 hours, it was, Hey, I'm thinking about decommitting. And then it was, Hey, I- I'm out and I uh, wish you guys the best. So kind of quick turnaround, but again, we're talking it's September. Uh, it's the offensive line. I think Notre Dame's going to be fine. They can get a guy that can fill that spot one way or another, and they have a couple months to do so. Yeah. You know, Tom, I, th- I thought he was a bit of a project and I never, right. a lot of people disagree with me on this, uh, but I never thought he was a left tackle prospect. I thought he was a right tackle, but what I liked about him long-term was, I mean, great frame and right. something to, something to really work with. Um, so I, I know, I think it was just the other day, naturally, as soon as he decommitted, everybody wanted to know from you what uh, potential replacements there are. I, th- I think at the time you weren't quite sure. Have you you gleaned anything along those lines? Not really. They they actually, when I asked about <laughs> the situation just yesterday, they were, they were talking about, look, we're going to wrap up practice here Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We're going to continue hitting the road like we were planning on it. Um, but we're going to spend the next 48 hours kind of digging into that position, because like I said, this was not something that they were necessarily expecting and and preparing for. Um, But at the same time, they weren't, they weren't freaking out. Probably the same, you know, mentality you would take in the fact that like you weren't blown away as Adam, as a left tackle, we could play right tackle. We clearly had the upside, but there was, there's a lot of room to grow and it's always, you know, it's a to see how you fill out, but Notre Dame's not freaking out. They would have loved to have him in this class, but they also know that, you know, they're among the O-line new contenders. So I think they'll be fine. And they feel that way as well. Now, uh, class of 2024 quarterback, CJ Carr off to a, a, a pretty solid start to his 
junior season. I say class of 2024 because, uh, as uh, as we all know, we've been talking about the possibility of him reclassifying. And I bring that up because of the list that you just put out, Tom, of five uh, 2023 quarterbacks to consider. So first, let me ask you, what is the latest, if there is anything, the the, the latest regarding C.J. Carr and reclassifying or sticking in the class of 2024? Yeah, let's just make it very clear for for Notre Dame fans that we're kind of uh, a little surprised to see a list put out. It's, you know, if CJ Carr is to reclassify, that is a massive win for Notre Dame. It's what they want. It's their preference. Tommy Reese, Marcus Freeman, no matter who you ask inside that building, they want CJ Carr in the 23 class. They've made that very clear. And I know I took a beating a while back by saying that it's very possible. And some people thought that the chatter of him reclassifying uh, scared away Dante Moore. I don't find that to be accurate, but um, Notre Dame was comfortable with, you know, that information getting out because it's very, it was very realistic then. And I know time went on and there was some chatter that, you know, from Carr himself saying, you know, I'm not reclassifying, I'm staying in the 24 class, but behind the scenes it's still very realistic. And it's been realistic ever since day one. So their preference, they wanted to reclassify. There is really no update on that. They need to find out pretty soon though. So they can, they don't want to take a guy. And then all of a sudden a week later, CJ is like, all right, I'm in and I'm reclassifying because it's just a bad look. They don't really want two quarterbacks in 23. They may hit the transfer portal, but but right now they want one in 23, yeah. and CJ Carr is the guy they want. So I put out a list of guys that I've evaluated, I like, but also have kicked around with people at Notre Dame, at a bunch of other schools, and these are the names that I kind of stumbled upon of guys that I know Notre Dame is also looking at, but also some guys that they could look at. Um, so the list of, you know, Cal Swanson, Tucker, <laughs> Luke Duncan, uh, Lincoln Kineholz, and Zane Flores are all guys that I feel are very realistic for Notre Dame. Um, some more than other, um, so some more than others at this point. Luke Duncan is a guy he's currently committed to UCLA. He's a guy that I think Notre Dame could make a move on. And if they push for, if they offer, I do believe he would flip from the Bruins. I know he's a West Coast kid. I know he's from California, but this kid's got enough, nothing but love for Notre Dame. I like him. I talked to Brandon Huffman. He likes him. Um, he's our West Coast national guy as well, likes him. I think that they really like Keen Holes, who's currently committed to Washington. So if they could flip him, that would probably be, um, after Avery Johnson, that would probably be up there with the top priority uh, for Notre Dame in this class. So they're still evaluating the position. They're still going to look at kids. They're still going to visit kids. I have a feeling that they'll, if they get enough positive dialogue, at some point this week, Tommy Reese will be out seeing Avery Johnson. Um, it just all depends on the the what they get back. I don't think they'll be able to flip him. I think he's pretty locked in with Kansas state and the fact that they've had success on the field and Adrian Martinez is going crazy. I, I just feel like there's a, that's a smooth transition for Avery Johnson and, in that offense. So um, yeah, right now, CJ Carr's the guy. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Nordin probably didn't like to see the Kansas state beat Oklahoma for the third straight time <laughs> <laughs> as it relates to Avery Johnson. But, but again, a quick review, Kel Swanson, is an Illinois commit. Luke Rucker is a Florida Atlantic commit, which I find a little bit outrageous because he's better. He's better than that. Uh, Luke Duncan is the UCLA commit. Uh, Lincoln Keenholz is a Washington commit. And then Zane Flores, you had on that list as well, Tom from Nebraska, who's an Oklahoma uh, commit. But I want. I, State, I want my fault on the I'm sorry, Oklahoma State. No, that That's right. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Um, Oklahoma State. Um, I, but let me talk about the Rucker kid, because when I watched him, I'm like, my goodness, 
Florida Atlantic. And I, and I see what you're saying about keen holes. I, I, I really like, I mean, that kid can, that kid can complete passes from multiple arm angles, which is not something that you see a whole lot uh, on, on the high school level. But uh, the Rucker kid, he can't possibly end up at Florida Atlantic, could he? He's going to do better than that. I don't see. I don't see any way that sticks. And I know I wrote that, uh, like a lot of, I could see some big schools coming coming after him down this stretch. A guy I respect and and like a good bit, especially in this role, Andrew Ivins. He's been high on him for a while. Uh, he's tweeted about him, written about him. He's just a guy that, I, and he's and Rucker's backed it up this this season. So he's having a really good season. There's just a lot to like about him, and. I, no, no, nothing against FAU, but man, they, I think it's going to be a struggle for them to hold on to that kid. The, the Swanson kid who probably is, would you say he's the best of that group? I, again, I haven't studied them a, a, enough to know. I, and I think a lot of them are very close to one I, another. Of the five, I honestly would probably take Keenholes. Uh, okay. Of the All right. That doesn't he, surprise he me. Yeah. It. Yeah. He's just so athletic. Uh, there's just, and he's, I've watched his maturation over the last couple of years. I really kind of took a deep dive. And I like him a lot, but I also really like Cal. Like I said, I, I really do like all of the kids that I put on here. Um, I just feel like in terms of fit, a guy that it's like, if Tommy Reese can be back next year, a guy that's got, you know, athleticism to him. I really think Keenel's is such a good fit, but, but again, I think that's going to be a tough, that's going to be a hard one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Well, we could kick this around uh, for quite a while, but I think we, you know, I hope I encourage people to go check out Tom's story on Irish illustrated. Um, and we will, I'm sure we'll be talking about, um, most of these young men or some of them, at least as we move forward, uh, moving on, Tom, uh, I know that you have been keeping a close eye on the recruitment of Jeremiah love the running back slash slot receiver, uh, a real athletic talent. What can you tell us about the latest with Nordane's recruitment? And if there's any kind of timetable in the, in the near future. Well, the nice thing about this one is that I'm planning on seeing him on Friday. Uh, he's playing in the Indianapolis area. So um, it's going to be nice that I don't have to go to St. Louis to see this kid. And I'll be able to just go two hours away or an hour and 45. So this is a kid that I, I know we have him ranked in the top 100. And um, there's so much to like about him. But he's a guy that I really need to see in person to get a, a true evaluation for. Because I kind of kind of heard some mixed reviews um, about him, which is when kind of, talking to college coaches. Um, some love him. Some think he's elite elite where some people are like, oh, I think we got him a little high in the ranking. So it'll be really nice to see him in person. I also want to get a good gauge to see whether he's a running back or a receiver at the next level. What's more natural. I think on tape, I see a running back, but then I talk to coaches that I respect, especially receiver coaches that I respect and they would love him in their room. So, uh, but on a recruiting standpoint, still looks like Notre Dame or Texas A&M um, NIL is definitely a factor here in the sense of, it's on the table um, from AM and they've, you know, there's a, there's a package in play for upon arrival. Here's what you could be looking at if things go well and, you know, that kind of stuff. At least that's what I'm told according to sources, but uh, Notre Dame is, is going toe to toe. They've, they put on a, a, a great show essentially when he, when he visited, they uh, not necessarily on the field, but behind the scenes in terms of just wowing the parents and wowing Jeremiah. So it seems like everybody's very much on board, but I've, I've written this. I've always been a little leery. Um, when, when kids that are, that don't commit are very apt, like adamant that Notre Dame's number one, this is the place to be. The parents are on board. It just gets me a little leery when they don't just commit. If you're that gung ho about a school, why aren't you committing? 
So there's a reason why I haven't followed Steve Wolfong. I haven't put the crystal ball prediction in. There's a reason I've always kind of felt AM was really going to be the team to be. AM was going to host him after Notre Dame, which they did. So there's a reason for my my you know trepidation of not wanting to jump all in the, the Notre Dame bandwagon for this kid. But I'm really hoping to find out a little bit more when I see him on Friday, both from a overall play standpoint, but also from a recruiting standpoint. But I do expect this to come to come to a close here in the next few weeks. Um, it just isn't going to be as soon as everybody expected, like maybe this week now that the, uh, the visits are wrapped up. So we'll see if he wants to take anything else, but it really does seem like it's going to be one or the other between Notre Dame and Texas A&M. Tom, is part of the question as to whether he's a receiver or a running back that there are questions about his consistent physicality as a running back? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you watch the tape and I see a lot of um, him kind of checking out, going out of bounds instead of embracing that contact where, you know, a guy like, you know, Dylan Edwards is so small, but he's so physical and he loves the contact. That's a little bit that that makes some coaches a little leery about him uh, as a guy that could carry the ball 20 times a game. Now, being a guy at Notre Dame, he's probably going to be one of two or three running backs like they're doing now which is a perfect blend, but they can also line him up out wide. I mean, uh, I know for a fact, Chancey Stuckey really likes him and he he's involved and he wants him, but I think selfishly Dylan McCullough wants him a little bit more. So it's just going to be kind of unique how it all plays out, but I absolutely, that's something I need to see in person. Um, I just want to see how physical of a kid he is and if he's built mentally, physically more of a receiver or if he's kind of a, a dog and he can play running back. All right, uh, looking forward to hearing your report from your trip and safe travels uh, to see Jeremiah Love. Um, Peyton Bowen is wearing out a path between his home and Oklahoma. We know that uh, Texas A&M is, is involved as well. He's been verbally committed to Notre Dame for a long time. I have him as, uh, since Keon Keeley left, I have him as the top player in the class myself. I'm not a lone wolf there. But what's the latest with Peyton Bowen, Tom? You are definitely not a lone wolf there. That kid is a special, special player, a difference maker that Notre Dame needs, um, doesn't just want. Uh, The latest is the same thing we've been saying for months. He remains committed to Notre Dame, and he remains very active on the recruiting trail. Um, Peyton loves recruiting. I mean, he really does, and he knows he only gets truly one crack at this. Obviously, if things don't play out and he transfers or whatever, but looking at it from the big picture, he only gets one shot at this. He wants to enjoy the process. He loves going to the games. He's a national kid. All these guys know who he is. He knows who all they are. Um, he loves going on the trips. He wants to be at the games. Um, he's treating this like many people probably would if they were in their positions. And um, I would love to take all five official visits if I was a recruit as well. Notre Dame, uh, you know, behind the scenes, they're being told he's he's firmly committed to Notre Dame but he also is keeping his options open. He knows he hasn't signed anything and he just wants to see how things play out. The the tough start to the season didn't help Notre Dame here, but things are trending in the right direction. And we expect a lot more wins for Notre Dame moving forward. So that's not going to hurt them. He also just saw Oklahoma lose. So it's, you know, he understands that, that the big picture of he's not helping these teams win or lose. So he's not going to put a ton of stock into it. Now, if Marcus Freeman was, on the hot seat in this 0-4, I think he's going to, you know, take a step back. But that's not the case. So all this talk for months has been he's going to decommit, he's going to decommit. Well, here we are, September 28th, and he's still committed to Notre Dame. So I feel like people just need to pump the brakes on the, you know, the negativity. And he's definitely gone and all this kind of – because we don't know. We really don't know. Uh, Mom is very much in the corner of Notre Dame. She definitely has a lot of love for Oklahoma, um, a lot of love for A&M as well. But 
He's probably going to go back to see, you know, he's going to go back to Norman at some point again. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens early next month, but the plan at this point is for him to be back at Notre Dame for the Clemson game, along with every other commit and a couple of the top targets in 24 and 23. And that's going to be a huge weekend. So I think if, I think if he visits Notre Dame and he's still committed at that point, I don't see a way, I don't see him flipping his decision. I think he's going to stick with that decision because I think he's going to be around all those guys that weekend. And it just, I think he's going to get it. Um, but again, I feel like people are not putting enough stock into the fact that this is a 17, 18 year old kid who's enjoying his process, getting around his family. And he also is trying to get his brother recruited as much as possible. So I just feel like people just need to take a step back, take a breath and just let Peyton Bowen decide what he's going to do. Because at this point, I really don't think he knows. It's pretty wild to me. And I get it, but I mean, like, you know, obviously the Marshall loss was a bad loss, but like yeah. 54 wins in five years is thrown out the door when you, when you, when you stumble coming off of a game, the Nordame, you know, they invested a lot physically and emotionally into Ohio state, no excuse for losing to Marshall, but um, you know, such is the nature why you need to get off to a quick start for many yeah. reasons, including, you know, keeping that recruiting class, the committed portion of the recruiting class solid Tom, uh, As we wrap up uh, you and I were talking yesterday about Cooper Flanagan, Jaden Greathouse. Um, you know, some of the committed guys who are the most solid, we know that Alabama would take Cooper Flanagan in a heartbeat. Um, where, where's Nordium stand with those guys and how, you know, are they in a good position to, to hold on to guys like Flanagan and, and great house and maybe some others that you want to mention? Yeah. I mean, obviously everybody, we just talked about Peyton Bowen. That's one to watch, but uh, it seems like Charles Jagasaw. I know that there was some chatter about Michigan and a couple other schools, but um, I, Everything I'm told, he's been very adamant, uh, both to me as well as Notre Dame, that he's locked in. Uh, he's firmly committed. Uh, when I reached out to some of the guys, it was funny. Elijah Page was one of the, one of a couple that didn't get back to me or didn't have the chance to get back. To me. <laughs> he so, was busy, uh, Tom. Yeah, he, he was, was busy. Was like, do I text Tom back or do I respond to Lincoln Riley? Uh, we saw how that played out. But um, you know, Drake Bowen is clearly not a guy that anybody needs to worry about. Christian Gray seems very much locked in. I forget the number he gave me, but, um, it was like a hundred thousand percent or something pretty high. Um, Braylon James and Jaden Greathouse, they're not right down the street from Notre Dame. Um, they're two very talented players. They have a bunch of schools coming after them. You know, you got to keep an eye on them. You obviously have to be leery of that, but I think Chancey Stuckey and Tommy Reese are doing a good job there. Keeping the, the keeping those guys locked in. Uh, Brennan Vernon seems locked in. So a, a lot of these guys that, that you'd be, you know, potentially leery of or worried about seem firmly committed. Um, Dylan Edwards loves Notre Dame. I don't see anything changing as long as Marcus Freeman's at Notre Dame. I don't see a Don Schuler going anywhere, but I think the one that, that I'm keeping an eye on, uh, is Cooper Flanagan. He is going to be back for the Clemson game. So that's big, but, but as of now, there's nothing set visit wise. He's talking to schools. That's the gist of it. Nothing major. So until he steps foot on another on another campus, I don't think Notre Dame fans need to be too worried about it. Because again, that's a kid that I think business for the Clemson game kind of re falls in love with what he, you know why he chose Notre Dame and gets around the guys and um, he knows Notre Dame tight ends, man, what they do. So um, I, I expect him to stick as well. Tom Loy of Twenty Four Seven Sports, thanks for joining us, Tom. We appreciate the time. We'll do it again here soon. This has been Irish Illustrated Insider.